into the podcast. This week, Frozen 2. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and the memories that water contains. Ooh. I'm Chris Leva. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're talking about Frozen 2, the sequel to Frozen. In case you didn't get it. In case you didn't understand why they put a two at the end of the title. Maybe that's Um, part of the philosophical talk today. Is it a two? Is it a one and a half? Uh, I I think I have my ideas about it, um, which are basically, it looks like, looking at our notes, are basically (laughs) your ideas about it. We share a brain sometimes, Um, it happens. We do. It, it's it's nice. It's nice. Sometimes it's difficult to think for two, but <laughs> I'm thinking for it two works. now. <laughs> um, for anyone I, who the, has uh, not listened before, uh, we are going to talk about some general things and have some fun. No spoilers, and we will give you a very clear spoiler warning when we're going to dig into the meat of Frozen Two, the frozen meat, if you will. Right. Right. The, um, yeah, the frozen, I can't go any, yeah. When we get into that section, we will make sure to, to send up a warning. When we get down that grocery aisle, we will announce over the loudspeaker that's happening. Frozen meat, this aisle. (laughs) I don't know what that was, but, um, the, the nice thing about frozen two that I would like to say just in general is uh, as we've been going through the Disney canon uh, and looking at the different eras of Disney on the podcast, and you could go back and listen to those episodes. We'll put them in the show notes of tracking when the different eras happen. Parts one through seven. Parts one through seven, yes. It's nice to see and guess whether we're beginning something new or if this is a continuation of something that already exists. But I I have my own ideas and I think we'll talk about that more. I just wanted to put that in your brains that there's more to listen to and it's a larger Disney story as well as just a decision on uh, what Frozen and Frozen 2. So... And conveniently, so many of these things happen. So many of these movies have a message or a line or a bit that's about that transition, whether they intend to or not. As we talked about with Meet the Robinsons ending with that fun quote as they moved into the next period of change and the new, new renaissance. Right. And it being the end of the era, really. Mm -hmm. And then Bolt taking up the mantle to take us into the current question mark <laughs> era of disney um it's a very bojack horseman way of putting that but yes <laughs> uh yeah i i mean i guess for me as a human i'm like rooting for this to be a new era because the movie begins with the song well it doesn't really begin with the song but it has into the unknown that just really kicks off the story and i feel like is a great way to kick off a new era of disney animation Mm-hmm. And I think they, in some ways, I'm sure that they were 
announcing something. Yeah. There. And I understand. In, in a lot of ways. If you're a casual listener to this podcast or you've just seen Frozen and put it into Apple Podcasts to find out what was on there, you're going, how could Frozen 2 be the beginning of a new era? And listener, you are correct. That would be abnormal. But <laughs> stand by it. <laughs> uh, with Jennifer Lee taking the mantle of the Disney animation group. Right? Yeah. Story group? Something. Yeah. The story. Yeah. I can't remember the title of it because I think it's the Pixar Brain Trust and the Disney Story Group. Mm. I believe so. Yes. But the, it's the chief creative person. So Pete Doctor is on the Pixar side and Jennifer Lee is on the Disney side. And this is her first film at the helm. No, no. I mean, Frozen. Frozen. Well, of the story group. Oh yes, yes, yes. At, at the helm of the story group. Yeah. Yes, leading the story group. This is her first film. Yes, she's the first absolutely. at the helm of the thing we've been talking about. <laughs> so, Frozen itself. If we look at Frozen, which we've talked about previously in a in a previous episode came out all the way back a long time ago. It feels like in another era itself in 2013. So long. So long ago. And that was written by Jennifer Lee and directed by Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee. And those same folks have come back for Frozen 2, which came out this year. Mm -hmm. 2019. 2019. In case the decade rolled over by the time you listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I I like the evolution of this film because this feels like... I'm trying to think of something to compare this to. Frozen 2 in the lead up to it feels a lot like the lead up to Force Awakens, that first Disney Star Wars movie. Because we've known mm. about Frozen 2 for a long time. It was announced in 2015. That was four years ago. Yeah. And we've been hearing all the stuff about its development and it didn't have, it's not like they misled us and said, this is coming out next year. Um, but they just announced that it was happening and it's taken this long to make it happen. Well, animated films do take <laughs> four to five years. So it makes sense. Well, yes, but normally they have something to, they can say for sure. This is a movie. There's a movie here. We will have something ready in like two years. We've done most of the work now. Right. And the nice thing is, to tide us over, we've had lots of Frozen stuff happening. So there was Frozen Fever, or I can't remember the actual name of that short, but you could watch it on Disney Plus now, I believe. Oh, yeah, I could do a Frozen binge. Um, and then you have uh, Last... Was it last year's? I'll look it up. Olaf's uh, Frozen Adventure 2017. I guess that was two years ago. So that came out with Coco. Olaf's Frozen Adventure. And then you had the Broadway musical. And that whole season of Once Upon a Time. Right. <laughs> like Frozen is already like solidly. It's frozen solid, if you will, into the cultural <laughs> canon of what Disney is and what Disney represents. It's. I mean, it is, it's the archetypal 
princess story, but for the current age. And I think that's why everyone's latched onto it so well. Like it represents an entire history of Disney, the princess history and these fairy tales, but done in a way that no one, I won't say no one. It's hard to take a cultural fault with what it represents. Right. And it's, it's where the voice of this Disney era really crystallizes into something and says, yeah, this is what this is about. This is what we're doing. And it finds its voice and lays its claim. And it, it starts using the, this is what we, um, we are acknowledging our past and we're doing something with, with things happening right now with an eye toward the future. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, always when Disney's best. This is our heritage, but we're also expressing something very personal and something very authentic. Yeah. And it feels like this is the... Frozen 2 is the compounding of that, of where the history is the movie Frozen, which is already about the history of Disney and doing something new with it. And now we're doing (laughs) something new with taking the history of Disney and doing something new with it. But then also looking majorly toward the future. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I can't wait. I mean, we're here. We're in the future. I, I don't have to wait. So since Frozen 2 just came out, as we're recording this, it just came out the previous weekend. Uh, it seemed to do pretty well from what I read. I don't know <laughs> what you were able to read. I think depending on the news source, it's either the best or second best animated feature opening of all time. And that's not like a a miscount of numbers. That's just people counting or not counting The Lion King 2019. <laughs> that's an animated film. Yeah. We've already spoken. It is. Yeah. So in our book, the second best animated opening of all time. And I think it's this one has legs. I think it it'll keep going. I think word of mouth will probably be good on this. Although, you know, I always take a look at Rotten Tomatoes for some reason just to get see what the what the critics are saying. And I think I can sum up most of the reviews by saying, "Okay, boomer." Is it? <clears throat> Sorry. Wow. I'm just so shocked. Um, <laughs> do people not get it? Uh, yeah, I don't think they get it. I don't think they get it. They um, will get into it as we go through the things that I enjoyed about it that they seem to not enjoy as much as I did. So, I mean, Without getting into spoilers, like I feel like on this podcast, we talk a lot about a lot of experimental animation many times and things that are purposefully obtuse and hard to follow. Uh, and Frozen 2 is not one of them. No. <laughs> this is a film that tells you what it's about in every possible way it can communicate it, whether that's through dialogue or visually or in song. Yeah. And blocking, it, it makes it very clear what's happening and what's being done at all times. Yeah. And it 
does it very successfully in a very authentic way, each way that it does it. But before we get into that and make our arguments for Frozen 2, why would why would they make, I know like the Disney as a company reason for why they would make a sequel, but why would they make Frozen 2? Ah, uh, uh, man, I thought about this a lot leading up to this. And yes, obviously there's money reasons because Frozen 1 did make worldwide one billion dollars that's 25 percent of a star wars <laughs> like as a company not one movie <laughs> um so money disney yes obviously very justified but they don't just make a sequel and phone it in um this is a movie that justifies itself being a sequel in my opinion mm-hmm. um i'm trying to think of my opinion before doing research and my opinion after i read what the filmmakers had to say (laughs) I think before I did research I mean it felt like a lot of the traditional things you get out of a Disney movie especially a princess movie weren't there that was intentional but there's room for that to grow and to be there because the whole point to Frozen 1 is like don't marry a guy you met that day yeah let's not do that but hey, here's this other great guy. He's cool. Maybe this could turn into something more, huh? And it leaves it open. I'm like, that's great. Now I want to see that movie too. Mm-hmm. Which is one part of what Frozen 2 is. Um, and my opinion, after reading what the filmmakers had to say made a lot of sense, is uh, I, f- I forget where. I think Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck were talking about why they may want to make a sequel. And they note that the first film ends with all the characters at the beginning of their relationships. This is like the the static opening of a film, essentially. Anna and Elsa are finally together and spending time together for the first time in like a decade. Olaf is a thing that can exist permanently now mm-hmm. and not just melt. And Anna has begun a new relationship with Kristoff. And Kristoff has begun a new relationship not being a remote ice worker person (laughs) and the kingdom has a new relationship with a new queen um everyone has new dynamics that weren't explored in the first movie true they they were they've become units different units of characters together all coming Mm -hmm. together this was Frozen one was essentially about barriers and people being separated and coming back in and who you are in relationship, but like, but not getting deep into it, but having the one relationship at the core, which was Anna and Elsa, like that sisterly bond. That's what's important. That's what's there. And I think that This sequel, like many of the sequels that Disney has been responsible for, (laughs) um, I would say if even if you're going to from Force Awakens to Last Jedi, if you're going from Incredibles to Incredibles 2, if you're going Guardians of the Galaxy to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, 
Wreck-It Ralph to Ralph Breaks the Internet. There, I think I got, yeah, Disney, Marvel, <coughs> Pixar. Yeah, okay, got them all. What about National Geographic? Oh, I haven't gotten National Geographic. Um, <laughs> so if you look at those sequels, and we've talked about this before, it's that second part, that sequel, is not necessarily a plot-based sequel. It's more of a story-based, character-based, internal sequel. Mm-hmm. Which really just takes what the first one has done and continues it. And really, while it stands on its own, I think it's best when you sample both of them, one after the other. Totally agree. They're, it's not even two parts of a book series. It's part one and part two. I mean, obviously, it's part one and part two. That's a bad math. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's um, a Lord of the Rings book where, yeah, there's three physical books, but each book has two books inside of it. The book one and book two of Fellowship. Mm. Like, they, they come together to tell a complete story. <clears throat> yeah, and you wrote in the notes, and I completely agree with this, talking about it. Like, it's... It's like act one of a play and act two of a play. Like that's, mm-hmm. it feels like, yes, we've got to a point that completes one story, but then here's, here's where it takes it and goes further and, and deepens the story. And this doesn't happen in every play, but there are plays where act one could end and be perfectly satisfying on its own. Like, here's an ending to a story. We've told a complete story. And the challenge of Act 2 is to say, is that really the end? Mm-hmm. And Frozen 2 does that. Of Is this now the static relationship these characters have for the rest of their lives? Have Anna and Elsa discovered themselves as sisters with a good bond, and that will last forever? Or will that change and grow? as the theme of the changing seasons of Frozen 2 is about. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 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 Well, because if you think about what happens in Frozen, the whole world becomes frozen. The whole kingdom is frozen. It's in this kind of stasis. It's stuck. And then it finally is able to thaw and it's able to move forward. Like it's no longer in this frozen, static, n- unchanging realm. And now it can have seasons, which is was really surprising in all the marketing, but not so, you know, in context, seeing red leaves, you know, fall leaves everywhere. Like, okay, this is about this is about change. <laughs> this is about change. I don't know what's changing, but it's about change. And it's a different take too, because I feel like a lot of the traditional like happy la 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 musical takes on change are like, it's springtime now and things are changing. And this is, it's fall. And that might be scary, but it's still change. Mm-hmm. 
And I appreciate that. Because in some ways, going from fall to winter isn't a scary thing because Elsa's all about snow and ice. She's the snow queen, so it's fine. <laughs> it's fine if there's snow. So there's snow problem. Uh. So, uh, yes, having said that, <laughs> and gotten the requisite groan, um, should we move into spoiler territory a little bit? I think we should. And I think that you, listener, if you haven't seen this yet, you should stop listening here. Come back to it. And go see it. Yes, go see Frozen 2. Spoilers for what we think about this. Go see Frozen 2. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Okay, we're, we're here in the spoiler territory. It feels a little different. It might be a little scary. But I think we're going to get through it together. Unless we get separated and have to go on our own individual journeys to learn something about ourselves. In which case we get through it together, but in parallel without knowing it. Bum, bum, bum. So tell us about the story of Frozen 2, Mackenzie. Oh, man. Uh, the story, I mean, as as Chris has said, this is a more emotionally smaller personal story. But this opens up the world of Arendelle and the Frozen franchise to be much larger. Uh, so, of course, in Frozen 1, we get the expectation that this is northern European-ish kingdom. It's cold sometimes. It's often cold. They have other neighboring countries. But it's abnormal that this princess has ice powers. <clears throat> and Frozen 2 begins with um, the parents of Anna and Elsa telling them a bedtime story when they're kids before they're dead, which is painfully pointed out many times the night in this film. The night before Frozen begins, because they whisper, hey, let's let's build a snowman later. That's true. So same Hmm. night before Anna says, the night's awake, so I'm awake. Anyway. That places us there. Yeah. So the parents try to put them to bed. Right. Um, But we hear instead this fairy tale of an enchanted forest, as you might here in medieval Europe. (laughs) Fairy tales, Enchanted Forest, great. This makes perfect sense for kids and for the world of Frozen, awesome. Um, And we resume in reality, well, in reality, in the present day, three years after the events of the first movie, which honestly I didn't know until I was reading the details about the movie, so I don't know if it super matters how long after the first movie it is. I don't think it does matter. I felt yeah, that it, time had passed. Enough time had passed. Right. They're not like in their 40s now, but <laughs> um, oh, there's there's a Frozen for a later generation. Frozen 4? Frozen The Spring Awakens. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I think that's the third movie. <laughs> Especially if we'll you see. get Jonathan Groff in there, he wasn't. Ah, oh, John Groff. He was. He was in. He was in Spring Awakening too. You're right. I see where we're going. Hmm. Anyway, 
Um, so we see the characters from Frozen 1, the heroes from Frozen 1, living their lives and having fun, which is unexpected, but it tells you so much about their character. It's not just humor for humor's sake. You learn a lot about their characters and where they are now as they're doing charades night. Mm. Which is magical. Which that scene is and online if you look for it. They, Disney has posted like some of the charade scene. Uh, so magical. So rude. They're rude people and I like them. I want to be friends with them. I know. They're, they, they remind me a lot of like the best people from like Parks and Rec and those kind of shows where they're just a bunch of misfits, but they're so lovable. Like, like I know that I would probably be annoyed, but most of the time I'd probably enjoy myself. Yeah. That's who these people are. They will always be truthful with you, even if it hurts. <laughs> they will tell you multiple times if you don't get it the first time. Uh, so we learned about where the characters, where they are now. And this kind of, the plot of Frozen 2 kicks off because Elsa seems distracted. She's been hearing this voice and accidentally sets off a chain of events that seems to be calling back to the fairy tale they heard as kids from their parents about the four elemental spirits of earth, fire, wind, and water. And heart. Um, no, not heart. There's no heart. Oh, I'm sorry. That was the first movie. Captain Planet. Frozen Heart. <laughs> um, so that's really the main plot they have to go find the enchanted forest with these spirits and understand what's going on and how to save Arendelle and let people occupy it again um, that's the the getting into it part but the Uber story ultimately winds up with Elsa going to a thousand year old glacier and digging deep down into the past and what may or may not be a metaphor for this, but I'm certainly into that metaphor of, hmm, some utopia-seeming European countryside might be mired with a terrible colonial past. Who knew? <laughs> so it digs into the past, the terrible past of Arendelle, deep down to generations that weren't related to them, and they weren't the ones that made these decisions at all, but they take responsibility for this and choose to make it right which is a really interesting narrative because it's about family, but not family, but also country, but not country and magic, but not magic. Yeah. Yeah. All, all that. Definitely. It's, mm -hmm. it's hard to put your finger on. I mean, exactly where you're going, you know, that it feels different. You know, the storytelling feels different than, what you were, what I was expecting right away. I'd, and thankfully we have someone like Olaf to be used as somebody to say exactly what the movie's about and what's going to be happening. Uh, you have him expressing in song and in just in his naive, um, but somehow maturing you know, statements about, I don't understand what's going. I'm, I'm going to grow up and maybe this will all make sense as I understand the world more. And as I get, get more, uh, 
get more age, what, <laughs> as I get older, <laughs> I'm going to understand what's happening. And this will all make sense someday when I'm older. And But also saying, we're going into Enchanted Forest. I've heard that that's a place for transformation. I don't know what that <laughs> means. Uh, but I've heard. <laughs> and it's just so on the nose. But it's so authentic. And it's not at all forced is what I why I buy it. Yeah. If it came out of any other character's mouth, it would be wrong. But somehow Josh Gad creates this naive authenticity that it's just there's there's no wink at anything. It's so earnest and so needed in the story. And because you laugh a little bit about it, it's okay to say. Right. Hmm. I can't wait to see how we're all transformed. Like, thanks a lot. <laughs> it's just so well done. And that's, that's it. We're about to go into this forest and we're all going to be transformed. And then it's not just linking myth and fairy tale now it's adding european literary criticism into the mix of what frozen as a franchise represents right while the movie's going on <laughs> it's basically space balls at that sense it's like <laughs> i'm gonna criticize here's the review they come out during the movie <laughs> 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 we're gonna psychoanalyze it as we make it <laughs> i love it and what are the big Things that I read in some of the reviews, um, and like I said, I only read reviews to see um, how wrong they are. But um, one of the big things that they had an issue with, they said that it had some narrative issues because there's not an antagonist. And so as a writing, a podcast about storytelling and about writing do movies, do movies, do stories have to have an antagonist? I mean, that antagonist can be many things because stories, a story in the Aristotelian sense must have obstacles. And there's lots of movies that don't have obstacles that, in my opinion, aren't stories. Um, but most things you see at the local corner movie theater um, are stories in the Aristotelian sense and have obstacles and an antagonist somehow that provides those obstacles. If it's a nature documentary, that antagonist is climate change. That's maybe not a person, but that is a thing that provides obstacles in the story of that nature documentary. Mm -hmm. So... It's hard to articulate what the antagonist is in Frozen 2. I think it's still too fresh for me. It's fresh snow. Um, I mean, certainly in the first one, people could say, like, Hans was the bad guy. Sure. He's the bad guy, but he wasn't the antagonist. Right. The antagonist was Elsa. Mm-hmm. Because that's a story point. That doesn't make her a bad person. Or The antagonist is how you function in the story. It's often a villain, but not always the villain. Do you feel like there is a... 
How would you articulate the antagonist or villain of Frozen 2? It's a good question. And I didn't think about it because I didn't miss that. I didn't (laughs) miss having uh, an external personification of of evil. (laughs) You know, we end up in Disney movies, especially the princess films, the villain gets the best song right? The villain gets the best song and Disney villains are this tradition ever since way back, you know, you have the villains being a huge show of this. And here's one that doesn't have an an antagonist in the tradition of Disney films, especially Disney Mm. princess films. There's not an antagonist in that same way. So who provides the obstacles here then? Well, who or what? In in a lot of ways it's the the past, it's memory, it's the past, it's the generations that came before, um, but it's also the thing that they're fighting against is this knowledge of yourself and who you are truly meant to be and are you really fulfilling your actual role that you feel best encapsulates yourself or are you missing something it's like a very it it, it hits me as, as somebody you know starting to question and wonder, I've spent all this time to get here. Is this what I want? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Is this what I should be doing? And those are the kinds of questions that Elsa starts asking. And so it's that own self-doubt about, I don't think this is what I'm supposed to be doing that starts being the antagonist. Um, When I asked Jack, my my seven-year-old son, who the bad guy was, he said it was quite simply, he said it's the grandpa. The grandpa was the bad guy. I mean, he's the bad guy. I don't know if that makes him the antagonist. Right. He's dead. He's not providing obstacles. He's not, except he is the original sin. You know, he committed the original sin of Arendelle. So Arendelle can't really actually exist and be okay with the future, knowing that there are secrets and things that it was built on. Yeah. I think the the past slash self is a good way to describe the antagonist of this, because that's all the characters are doing they're learning more about themselves, as you said, and fighting against that in different ways. But they're fighting against that because of the past for both good and bad reasons. Their familial past, their personal past. And I think something that resonates a lot with me, and I think a lot of people today, that's really interesting is this fighting against what you know you have to do because what you have is comfortable. Mm-hmm. And everyone says that 
you feel that you should be happy because everyone around you that you love is happy and is content with the situation, but you know that this isn't what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And it's, it's nice to get a hero in Elsa who's having that battle. You know, like this is a really personal thing that she's having um, and everyone else is fine. Everyone else basically has their comfortable ever after and they're going on and there's a whole song about we hope nothing changes or, you know, some things will never change. But then the irony of everything breaking or falling apart or not staying as solid as they think it is throughout that whole song. Yeah, I loved <clears throat> I love that as an early movie song because it right away sat back in my seat. Oh, okay, so everything's going to change. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, movie. Some things never change, so most things do in this movie. Okay. So everything will. I was and then as soon as that song started going, I was like I regret telling Jack that everything will be okay. <laughs> and no one will get hurt or die <laughs> because they won't. It's like Anna will be fine. Elsa will be fine. Olaf will be fine. They're not going to, they're not going to kill Olaf. I mean, uh, they ultimately they didn't. And they, spoilers out. I was right mostly, but I was like, <laughs> as soon as he started singing that, I'm like, oh, that dude's melting. <laughs> But, you know, that's the strength of storytelling and Frozen and Josh Gad as Olaf to make you believe, not that a fairy can fly, but that <laughs> Olaf can die. Mm -hmm. Everything you know about Disney is out the window. This is Pixar's world now. <laughs> <laughs> Death is real. And I, I really have to commend it because, like, as annoying as I, I do like Olaf, but Olaf, of course, can have be pigeonholed into being the annoying character and doing all the annoying things. And when Olaf is dying, none of that's there, right? Because Olaf has grown, and Josh Gad's delivery reflects that growth as Olaf as an an adult human snowman three-year-old thing <laughs> who has feelings and complex emotions with people and knows what Anna needs to hear at that moment. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, guess it's summer after all. Snowman melt. Ugh. Right. It's some things will never change. And I'm going to hug you. Yeah. There's not a, there's no irony. And it, it's just, uh, you said this word earlier, it's, it's that earnest delivery and that belief. And uh, it's just heartbreaking. It's like, I feel the magic leaving. It's, it's going. Oh, so nice. And they full on Thanos Olaf, like he dissolved in someone's arms and everything. <laughs> So what, what else do we want to say about how the story is told? I mean, I feel like everybody gets a song. 
in yeah as as they're battling with the big question for themselves of how are they going to change I was trying to go through the list of songs in the soundtrack and like make sure everything felt necessary in some way. Hang on. Where's the soundtrack again? I didn't write down all the songs because it feels like there's a bunch at the beginning of the movie. Then it really like slows to a trickle. It does. Yeah. It felt really top heavy. Yeah. And the first frozen movie is also a lot of songs and it slows down in the last half, but right. it felt like there were more songs in the first movie. I think so. Uh, I'm trying to think what's in here that doesn't feel useful. Or not as useful, I should say. Everything in this movie is useful. This is impeccably written. Um, the second Adina Menzel power song, Show Yourself, I thought was good. And it's visually really cool and wonderful to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, did it need to be a musical moment? I don't know. Um, I liked it as a musical moment. I don't know that I loved it as a musical moment. Hmm. That's the only thing I would say, because looking at the songs we have, All Is Found, which is like the thematic storytelling song at the beginning. Some things never change to reintroduce us to all the characters and what they're up to right now. Right. Into the Unknown, which is amazing. Yes, definitely. <laughs> uh, possibly better than Let It Go. I don't know that 13-year-old girls will agree, but... Yeah, that wow. that was the other thing that the reviews talked about. It's like, it doesn't have a song that that's definitive and strong like Let It Go. And I was like, did you not w- listen to the song? Were you watching the same movie? What? <laughs> Just because it doesn't have like a the same kind of build... That Let It Go has. It doesn't have that big moment of building an ice castle. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's not like, were you not listening? I thought it still was building because she like makes the ice and to connect with the voice thingy. And I'm doing a really poor job describing the moment of the movie. Uh, but I thought that it did build and was interesting oh definitely visually too yeah um if when i am older the olaf song which is ironic and wonderful (laughs) uh reindeers are better than people the reprise uh which is interesting because it shows like the christoph counterpoint of like this is where i was do i still want that no (laughs) some people are better than sub reindeer uh, Lost in the Woods, which is the man. I, when this came <laughs> on, when this started happening, I, I had one thought, which is, I guess they're going there. I guess we're doing this. <laughs> I guess this is happening. It began. I could hear what they were referencing and what they wanted to do. And as soon as that, like, transparent second big face faded in on top of the yeah, screen I was like, like 80s power ballad here we are we did this and I am thrilled like he goes up to that tree the light the lighting on when he's standing next to the tree and I was like okay well let's see how far they're gonna take this because this is just the opening <laughs> and then the head like 
okay, all bets are off. They're they're going to take this to its full and logical conclusion. And Jonathan Groff singing in harmony with himself, as himself, and the chorus of Sven's and other reindeer. The as soon as that started happening, I was like, "Those those reindeer are going to sing." I don't know when, <laughs> but all of them are going to sing. All of them are going to sing. Amazing. But it also... It serves a purpose, it too. It does, and it brings back that whole into the woods <laughs> idea, like I'm lost in the woods. I don't know what I should be doing. I don't know which path I should go on. You know, I I want to follow her, but it but I don't know if that's what I should be doing. May, you know, maybe I should meet her where she is. Maybe she'll come back around. I'll just, I don't know which way to go. I don't know if I should just leave. It's just really strong and evocative emotionally for what the character's feeling. Yeah. And it was so heartbreaking. And I that's one of the parts of the movie that I find for us most fascinating because Anna's living, learning to live, not just for her, for her people that she loves, Olaf and Elsa, but to live for herself. At the same time, Kristoff is learning almost the opposite lesson. Mm-hmm. And this movie's not afraid to be complex that way. Like it's not pitting these two things against each other. It's, saying that there's a balance to these two ways of living. Yeah, I think there's a book that I'm reading right now that's talking about like couples that work and things. And it just talks about how sometimes as a couple, you end up, uh, one person gets plays a certain role in the relationship and another person plays a different role. And that gets cemented and set. And then it becomes a certain point where that atrophied part of yourself that the other person has been expressing, you start to feel like, wait, I want to do that. And the other person starts feeling that part of themselves that, you know, is out of practice. And then it has to come together and balance it somehow. It's not about penduluming all the way back to the opposite end, but it's about finding that, that balance in the middle. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting because how rare is it in a Disney movie, a kid's movie, an animated film to have a realistic relationship where the question is not, will they be together or will they get together? But it's like, how is this relationship evolving? Mm-hmm. So what? Well, and there was one thing that I was scared of in their relationship. And that's when they got to the tribe of folk. Um, the, I can't remember the tribe's name. The North Aldra. North Aldra, yes. Um, and we met Ryder. And I was like, oh no, please, please don't, please don't make this a three, you know, a triangle, a love triangle. Don't love triangle. Don't turn that into a love triangle. And then he's like, I'll help you. I'll help you propose. And I'm like, Oh, thank God. I did not want it to be 
you know, a love triangle like, oh, now they're doubting their relationship. It's it's not about that. I feel 100% on board with that, but also it's a little part of me that was like, oh, Christoph and Ryder are going to get together. Okay. <laughs> he loves reindeer too. How crazy is that? <laughs> I knew I knew it would happen for many reasons, not just because of the story. Uh <laughs> But also, in my heart of hearts, it's like, okay, I'm on board for this. I'll ship it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> goodness. <laughs> and then I guess the last one that we haven't really talked about is the next right thing. Yes. Um, Anna's song. Wow. And they make you wait for her song. Yeah. And it's worth it. Who knew that Anna would have a dark night of the soul moment. Like she's basically ready to give up and die in a cave. Exhausted. It really takes you there. Yeah. It, everyone that she knows. And as far as you're led to believe in the movie might actually be dead. She's lost in a dark cave alone. She thinks that her man has left her. Or at least left the camp. Right. And I I just so appreciated that that idea of I don't know where I'm going, I don't know how far to take this, but I can do the next right thing and just keep keep taking one little step. Like this is the next right thing that I can do. I didn't read all about that song, um, but I was hearing that um, I think Kristen Bell and Jennifer Lee were talking about this idea, trying to come up with what this is, and basically recorded an emotional conversation they had, and the song developed out of that because the next right thing is something Kristen said to herself a lot. That's something she has in her own life. Hmm. And that's why that feels really real, because it's not just like a trite, like, you just put one foot in front of the other. You just got to do the next thing. It's no, you can't just do the next thing. You have to do the next right thing. Mm-hmm. The next thing isn't always eating that package of Oreos. Right. Sometimes it's Nilla wafers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's Jenny's. <laughs> got to do the next right, right thing. thing. <laughs> <laughs> Make slightly better choices. Right. That's what Noom says. Noom says, make the better choice. Do a better choice. But um, but I, I really appreciated that in, in a movie for families, that it, you know, as, as a parent, it's like, I don't know how my kid is going to become a fully independent person. But that's way over here, and that's a huge tall order. So all I can concentrate on now is doing the next right thing in this relationship, in this life, in this moment. And hopefully, if I keep doing that, you know, anyone can do the next right thing for 10 seconds. Just keep on, keep moving. And not even forward, because the next right thing might be to back up a little bit. Yeah. So uh, it just, 
struck me as emotionally and characterly, characterly, dramaturgically yeah. honest. It's a good mantra. It's a good specific mantra. Mm-hmm. And it's broad enough to be applicable and useful to characters outside of the movie. Because then it, it re- she understands what she has to do, which is destroy this dam that she knows is going to destroy Arendelle. But it's the right thing mm-hmm. to do. Which is outside of Anna's personal story, uh, getting back to that, like, who knew colonial Europe had a terrible past? Um, <laughs> that's, it's so, this is a good movie for the time that's not as, like, on the nose as some other things we've seen since the year 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more broad because it's it's, like, taking responsibility in the sense that, like, where we are isn't Anna's fault, but she can do something about it. Mm-hmm. She could atone. And sometimes doing the right thing is rewarded. Sometimes your sister thaws and uh, jumps on a water spirit horse um, and rides much like the wind, and uh, makes it to save the kingdom so it does not flood. So my sister does live across the bay from me. So what you're saying is if I do the right thing, she might ride a water horse across the bay? Look, I don't know what your sister is capable of, but (laughs) yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes that might happen. Sometimes that might happen. Just just keep doing that. That's how you get water horses. (laughs) (laughs) it was really fun talking to jack and asking him questions about things like he just loved the lizard the salamander the oh my god i want it he he was like oh my gosh that was so cute and um he i said well what who was the lizard and he's like it was it was the fire spirit i was like oh okay like he it's like that was the fire spirit like, come on. <laughs> I know. Yeah. He totally understood everything in it. Um, and I was just really excited for him. And he even explained, uh, he's like, it was funny how he licked his eye, you know, to clean off the the clear the clear thing on it over his eye that covers his eye. And I was like, <laughs> oh, so he assumes that Salamander has a membrane over his eye that he's licking clean. Like, okay. It's a clear membrane. I'm about it. I mean, it doesn't hurt that um, Pokemon Sword and Shield came out at the same time. So I was already like ready for cute magical animals in my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Jack. I want the salamander uh, as a pet. Yeah, it's or a Pokemon. It's amazing. Is there anything else we should say <laughs> about Frozen 2 before we uh, wrap up for today? I don't know if there's anything else to say. I'm just to answer our question from before about is this a start of a new era? I think 
it feels very much like it's on the cusp and I can't tell and probably won't tell until probably what comes out next year, you know, um, is it Raya and the last dragon? Yeah, I'm ready. So depending on that, I think we'll get our answer. I think this feels like either the step into the new step into the, the new era or it's the transition point out of. So it might be the end of the era for Disney and then mm-hmm. starting a new one just square on. But it does feel like a pivot point. It's right on the cusp. Yeah. So. I 100% agree. It, it feels like it's primed to be the first movie in a new era. Yeah. Hmm. So, Chris, did you have a favorite thing from Frozen 2 that you want to share with our listeners today? I did, and I just remembered it. I wrote down one, but we talked about my favorite, like, deep thing, which is that just the whole concept of the next right thing. I think that's my deep favorite thing. But I think my actual favorite thing that I just adored was Olaf retelling the plot of frozen to the camp of people and then just general matthias's reactions to everything oh 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 their parents are dead like (laughs) (laughs) i never thought i'd see that said so matter-of-factly in a disney movie i know and i would laugh about it (laughs) that was that was huge and then he's like Cause I'm the bad guy. What? And like, like just the what? Just those re. It's it only works because of the reactions too. Like it's it's the one-two punch. It's Olaf saying it, and then the general laughing at it or reacting to it. Like that's it. Just gets more bang for his, for your buck because it's both an authentic retelling in a really quick way. And then just an honest reaction. Like, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking when I saw that movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> He's me. <laughs> uh, From six years ago. I love it. Good point. <laughs> what, was, what about you? What was your favorite thing? I know I was just saying that I wasn't super sure about uh show yourself needing to be a song but honestly my favorite thing is probably that whole sequence visually mm. of getting to the glacier getting into the glacier finding the truth at the bottom of the glacier and sending that message to elsa uh that's my whole favorite thing it it feels ripped right out of fantasia mm-hmm. it's so visually stunning and it's Adina Menzel's voice. Um, it, it's just so compelling as a story moment because it's so different than what you would expect Frozen to have in it. Mm-hmm. And the the danger encroaching like on her skin, the her skin freezing over, and you're like, no, oh, get out of there. But also, what's the mystery? Like you you're right there with her that whole time and just trying to figure it out and those frozen memories coming back, her reaction to let it go. 
which is cute. That was cute. Like, that was yeah, cute. I did go through that phase, but <laughs> it, it, it was just, I agree. That was a really powerful sequence. Yeah. Really, mm, man, go see the movie just for that. Just for that. That's at the end. So you have to see the rest of it on the way. Full. <laughs> oh no, you have to watch a really, really strong <laughs> film with good characters and interesting storytelling. Ah, oh. uh, that sucks for you. <laughs> well, should we talk homework time? Let's. For your homework, go see Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. And then, <laughs> and then for a podcast, after you see that, <laughs> come on and listen to our podcast. Not about Star Wars at all that day. Uh, we're going to be um, jumping into the Disney Vault, much like Scrooge McDuck might into his money bin. We're going to go into the Disney Vault. That uh, that they've called Disney Plus. I don't know why they didn't call it like Disney Vault, but we're gonna jump into the Disney V. And uh, no, no, bad. Okay, I'm sorry. We're gonna go into the Disney Vault and look at some old Disney shorts. If you go, if you have Disney Plus, you go to search. You can find Disney through the years. Hang out in the 20s and 30s. See what's there. We're going to see what's there, and we're going to talk about it and see from Disney's earliest works what still might be in the DNA of Disney. Disney DNA. I don't know. So go watch some old shorts on Disney+. Plus. Okay. Will do. As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino, and to Jacob Reed for our theme music. Find us on the web on Twitter. Let us know what you thought about Frozen 2. If you agree with us on anything at WG Animated, you can find us on Facebook and like us there. You can also find our show notes on Podbean, writersgetanimated.podbean.com. You know, I thought about what we said today, and maybe it'll make sense when I'm 10 podcasts into my queue later. That was a real stretch. That was a real stretch. But I'm going to let it go. Uh, Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.